Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Angular. I'm Brooks Forsyth, filling in for Chuck today. Also, we'll be filling in for other panelists who were busy, I guess. And uh, today we have our special guest is Will Gant. Gant, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us why you're famous. And I don't know about famous. <laughs> you are now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am half of the Complete Developer Podcast. Started that with a friend of mine going on five years ago, uh, wow. which is time really flies. I also wrote a book that was released last August on surviving developer whiteboard interviews, and that's published through A-Press. Additionally, I have an upcoming book that's coming out at the end of April or early May. We haven't completely got the date finalized yet, and that's Remote Work, The Complete Guide. Started this book last fall before everybody got forced to work remote, um, so I thought it'd be good to kind of come on the show and talk about some of the things that you can learn uh, about remote work that might help you do it a little bit more easily and maybe make it so that when you can go back into the office, you don't necessarily have to. Awesome. Are you sad you missed out on seeing all your friends at NGConf? Maybe you're excited for the latest changes in Angular that got announced. I'm putting on a three-day conference for Angular developers. We're going to start off the night before watching a few of the talks from NG Hardwired, and then we're going to have three days of live online talks. So if you're worried about the next conference being canceled, you're not sure you want to travel yet, or maybe you just can't for circumstances in life, then come join in in September for Angular Remote Conf. That's angularremoteconf.com. So um, you predicted this uh, global pandemic and you started writing a book about remote work, um, which is uh, impressive on its own. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, actually, the genesis for this was um, trying to sell the idea to management and doing so successfully at a previous job after watching other people fail doing it. I had a coworker who went into upper management and talked to him and was just like, oh, well, this will, you know, I can take care of my kid during the day instead of, you know, instead of putting him in daycare and he's got like a two-year-old. Yeah. And just talking about all the time and effort it'll save him and not selling the idea to the company. And it was just a completely ham-handed approach and it didn't work. He was not allowed to work remotely very much. There's, there's another interesting story on that one. And so I started thinking about how it's a sales process and how developers really need to be approaching this when they try to convince management. And I ended up pitching the idea and you know, getting started on it. And it took pretty much all fall to get it done and then there was a little bit more after the first of the year that I had to do. And it turns out that coronavirus just sort of showed up on its own and kind of changed everything for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone's, probably everyone listening to this is working remote still. So, um, and, and I'm sure some people are enjoying it and, and want to continue doing it. So that is uh, it's definitely timely. I have worked remote for the last uh, year and a half plus, but I failed at convincing two jobs to let me work remote and just left them for jobs that would let me work remote out of the gate, right? So yeah, I'd definitely be interested in learning more about how, how you go about that because maybe I did it wrong or who knows. Well, I think if you were successful, you didn't do it wrong, but there's always a way to do it better. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, and I was successful only because I left the job and found somebody who, would, who hired remote workers, right? So yeah. Well, I mean, my job is 100% remote. Uh, my previous job was two days a week. And I've had several off and on before that that you know were partial remote. And I think I had two that were fully remote. I bounced around a lot you know, doing contracting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a skill like any other, right? Like 
if you remember when you first got out of college and went into the office, there was all kinds of stuff that you just didn't have your head around because they don't prepare you for, you know, just all the junk that goes on in an office, you know, like having to understand political currents or understanding when communication is necessary and when it's not and what to talk about and what not to talk about. You know, everybody learns this stuff the hard way pretty much when they go into a regular work environment. And it's the same thing with remote, even if you've been in a standard environment, you know, for 20 years, it's just a culture shock. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different, especially on the communication front, which I think is something that people are at least um, somewhat aware and hopefully, but, you know, you have to over communicate when you go remote. And I'm sure there's, there's other things to it too, but that's a that's a good point. It it is. I ne- I never thought of it like as if now you're going into a totally different office. Yeah, and it's a much worse office probably for as yeah. far as your productivity, unless you planned ahead. So you know, for instance, you know, I've worked at companies where they wanted you to use your own personal computer for doing the work stuff, and of course, they wanted corporate IT to control that comp- computer. And so all the developers would buy like a four hundred dollar laptop, and it's like, well, I can wait thirty minutes for a build. I'm not dropping money into that. And you know that doesn't work very well. You'll have all kinds of ergonomic things that you don't think about. You know, A lot of people go, oh, I can just sit on the couch and watch TV and code. And it's like, you're going to screw up your back. You're going to screw up your neck. You know, your, your site's going to be bad. You don't have a second monitor. Um, you know, there's a lot of things like that. There's also issues with you know, now your, your own IT department. If the network has an outage, you don't call somebody. You got to go fix it unless you can get somebody out there real quick. That was probably the, the worst thing that I learned when I first started doing this was, you know, it turns out Comcast, they don't really feel like they uh, have to show up for a few days. And that can, be, that can be a real pain. You know, you have to have a, you know, pretty much a decent laptop to work on. And if your internet connection is out, you need to know the owners of the coffee shops nearby. Right. Guess right. where you're going. Uh, yeah. Or you get on your neighbor's Wi-Fi. You know, if they don't secure it on occasion, that's <laughs> that's been helpful too. But you know, you have to think about all this kind of stuff, and you have to have plans for you know how am I going to handle it if you know the power goes out or the you know, internet connection goes out. You know, what am I going to do if I'm on a conference call and my neighbor is you know has got a leaf blower running right outside my window? That happened to me right after Nashville had tornadoes. Like the next morning at like seven o'clock in the morning, they were blowing leaves off their sidewalk. Like we've been up all night with a tornado. And that, and that <laughs> now you got to clean the sidewalk first thing, right? Yeah. It's like, man, you know, and so you'll just run into all these issues with uh, noise, you know, problems so like, you know, and having kids in the house, you know, they, you know, they'll run around underfoot and right now is not normal, right? You know, everybody's home with their kids, but even the rest of the time, you know, you have to kind of set appropriate boundaries with the other people that you happen to live with. I've even been on a conference call with a guy that had a roommate that, for some reason, decided blasting Inya at full volume in the middle of the day was a great idea. And so we'd be on a conference call, and here it goes. And it's like this is like meditation music, and we're in this stressful conference call. It's just really surreal. You know, the number of things that people don't think about until they run into them is pretty substantial. And a lot of people are finding out a lot of those things, but there's stuff that doesn't come up as much or that management is not as worried about right now, right? Like if, if your kids interrupt on a conference call at the moment, it's like, well, you know, we're all stuck at home. It's a disaster. And yeah. management yeah. is stuck at home with their kids too. So they're going to be a little bit more understanding than they yeah. would normally. So you just have to think through all that kind of stuff and try to figure out 
what can go wrong and try to limit it before it occurs. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good point. So with, with kids, I mean, I think for me, at least I, I've always had like a, a basement, right. With a door yep. and then, you know, that's exactly what I have. I have uh, you know, I have a door that locks. Like if you go up the stairs to the main part of the house, there's locks on both sides of the door. Right. <laughs> so, um, which now that I think about it, I don't know that I overly like the fact that I could be locked down here. <laughs> but, uh, you better be careful what you say before you go downstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't, you know, didn't think about that maybe as uh, carefully as I should. But, you know, I have a door that locks. I have an additional room where like I used to have like a server rack and all that stuff, you know, when I did consulting. And, you know, all my equipment is down here. I've got most of what I need. I don't have a coffee pot downstairs. But other than that, I don't really have to go up much. And that's one thing I noticed at my old house when my office was right in the middle of the house is that every time somebody had to go from one end of the house to the other, they would walk through. Every time I had to get up to go get something, you know, somebody would start talking to me. Oh, yeah. And so if you're like thinking about a, you know, it's like, okay, you know, where in the stack is this problem? And you're going through that in your head and somebody comes at you talking, you lose that. Um, and so you, you don't want to do that. So definitely the basement office is probably the best thing in the world. Uh, yeah. Do, do you have, I don't have a uh, bathroom downstairs. So I find when I'm drinking a lot of iced tea or something, right? And then I have to go upstairs. I have a bathroom um, with a shower. Excellent. Um, because this so was like really, a mother-in-law's apartment. They really could lock you down there. <laughs> I have a separate, uh, have a separate thermostat. Okay. Yep. Separate air, I mean, like, I really do think that it was somebody's mother-in-law that lived right. there. Yeah, yeah. It was fixed for them. My garage has got, you know, all my weightlifting equipment. And so, you know, I can get frustrated with TypeScript, which I promise never happens, and go, <laughs> you know, swing kettlebells. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I swung kettlebells every time I ran into problems with TypeScript, I would be extremely strong right now. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, I definitely can relate to the, the interrupting when you have to go, you know, get something or do something, right? That's I've held my, you know, pee for a while just because I don't want to have to, I want to finish something, get that thought down before I can, you know, let myself relieve myself. Yeah, um, and that's that's the worst feeling. And it's so... It's, it's just so restrictive. I'll also say that, you know, one thing a lot of people have noticed working remotely is you kind of have a different flow of time. So, you know, if it takes you a minute to wake up in the morning, that's okay. Because, you know, even though I have the world's slowest coffee pot, I could still have a pot of coffee and have probably two cups of coffee in my system in the amount of time it used to take me to drive to work. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's, that's really helpful. I also think that a lot of times, you know, a lot of people are going to be surprised by how much money they have saved working from home because you don't think about all the times you go out to lunch and, you know, you spend 20 bucks at lunch because it's an expensive area, which is where all development shops seem to be. Yeah, you know, they don't, ever, they don't ever put them in the hood with a crystal next door. You know, it's right. like, oh, you're going to the, you know, $25 tie place. So you save a ton of money on that. You know, the average uh, commuter spends $2,600 a year. On their commute, including, you know, that's gas, vehicle maintenance, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that does not include the cost of biscuits at the gas station when you're on the way into work or the fact that you eat, you know, more expensive meals or the fact that you've lost all this time, you know, in transit going both ways. It's extremely expensive when you start thinking about the opportunity cost. You know, you're probably getting somewhere north of $10,000 a year by the time you count. I could just work during that time and get paid for the hours. Yeah. That's worth a lot. 
you know, when I at my previous job and you know, dealing with Nashville traffic, just how screwed up everything is because they overbuilt and then they didn't build the infrastructure to support it. And so you never knew how long it was going to take you to get to work. I got up to intermediate level and spoke in Russian in like a year and a half <laughs> on my commute. And like, and, and you know, it's it's funny because you're you're like you're going through this traffic and it's awful, and you're you have to worry about getting in a car crash, and so you're not like completely on point studying. It's like you get up to intermediate level. Like, how long does that actually take? Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, just the amount of time that you've lost. And it's like, yeah, I made good use of it. And, you know, that's actually helped me out once or twice, but it was mainly just because I was tired of listening to podcasts on the way in and the way home, especially since I worked with old technology and I couldn't use any of the new stuff that they were always talking about on the podcasts. It just made me mad every day. So, <laughs> right, right. But the time sink is, is a real, it's a huge cost. You know, the other thing is, is for companies, right? This is something I get into in the book. Your company is actually losing out because they're not allowing remote work there. And there's several reasons for that. You know, there's uh, recruitment and retention of employees. Um, right now, if you're hiring people to go into the office, well, you're not hiring them to go into the office at the moment because that's not a thing because the whole social distancing thing, but normally they have to be close, right? Yep. And more than likely you're in an expensive office park. And so all the, the homes in that area are expensive around that office park. And so your developers are either spending an hour trying to get there or they're paying through the nose. And either one of those things means you have to pay them more for something that doesn't provide value to you or to them. It just provides wear and tear on the road and pollution. You get a larger hiring pool if you hire remote, right? You can get people from across the country. The, the company I work for is in Indiana and I'm in Nashville. I have to go up there once a quarter. I didn't get to go this quarter. You know, it's a six and a half hour drive and I'm there for a week and then I come back. But the rest of the time I'm at home. They were able to get me because you know, right. hey, they, they have remote. They wouldn't have been able to if, if I had to move up there because um, yeah. I, I can't drive in snow. I'm from Nashville. <laughs> not, not a skill we have. It doesn't look like it's going to ever develop here either. I mean, really. Um, you know, another thing is organizational resiliency. Like if you have a pandemic, your workers can work from home if you're already set up to do that. If not, you're going to be scrambling around at the same time as everybody else is scrambling around. Uh, a yeah. lot of organizations got nailed by that. Frankly, you know, they, they lost uncountable hours to moving everybody home. Your, your office space costs, if you look at what, what it costs to rent, you know, per square foot in a major metropolitan area, like three or four cubes, you know, will, will get you a, you know, like junior QA engineer's salary. Yeah. It's like I could have Definitely. more people to throw at this thing. So it's expensive. You know, the other thing is, is you can hire people from other towns. Now, the place that I work for, their actual average salary is lower than what's here in Nashville. But usually it's the reverse, right? You have somebody in New York, they hire out to Nashville. They'll, they'll pay the Nashville people what is a ridiculously high salary here. And up there, it's low. And yeah. I've been on that, right. that one before. That was great, the amount of money I made. It's like, I don't mind working extra hours. You guys are paying me like time, you know, what I would get like for time and a half here. Sure. And, and so it can really... Uh, it can really help a lot. I will say that they're, you know, the, the main reason that a lot of these companies don't, they don't really want the remote work thing is that they have a lot of misconceptions, some of which are getting addressed rather harshly right now. So, you know, there's, there's stuff like the quality of life. You know, you'll see people that go, oh, well, if I worked remote, I would never be able to stop working. 
It's like, well, your body will enforce that. You will fall asleep at some point. You will be able to stop working. It's just, it's whether you're disciplined enough to do it before it becomes medically necessary, um, which by the way, happens in offices too. It's just now you're further from home. Yeah, Matt, now you have to drive home instead of walk upstairs or right. <laughs> walk to your bedroom, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I got a recliner down here. Yeah. I don't even have to do that. <laughs> it is six steps <laughs> away from here, and I can make that no matter how tired I am. Um, but yeah, the, the misconceptions are really bad. And there are some things that are that are worrying, right? There's stuff like career growth. Like if you're working remote, you're not seen by the senior executives. How are you going to move up? You have to, yep. You have to think about that. You have to plan. There is stuff around, you know, uh, company culture. You know, they do want people to be friends that work together and all that. I will say that I've formed some pretty good friendships with the people I work with, and I've only been there since November. Uh, yeah, we actually communicate. You know, and it's. I, I think that that's probably a, a thing that a lot of companies don't really. You know, they they overvalue what they think culture is, and they think of culture as the forced top down integration of people into groups versus the organic integration of people into groups that happens anyway because they're working next to each other or virtually next to each other. I will say that if you want to talk about corporate culture, that's one of the reasons why they sent everybody home right now is because we were turns out we were culturing a petri dish of viruses in uh, all these buildings, right? With the open floor plans and all that stuff where some guy sneezes 60 feet away and you're in an open room with him. Yeah. Um, open floor plan is like, but it mind it boggles my mind that they think that's a good idea. But well, I think I think when Dante wrote the Inferno, he could not have visualized an open floor plan. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Is like that kind of tells you about what I think about it. <laughs> you know, it's probably just purgatory because you do eventually get to leave, right? Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's not that's as true. bad as it could be, but it's you know, it's on down there. You know, and there is there is other stuff that will happen, right? Like when companies start thinking about letting people go remote, they probably aren't going to let everybody go remote. Or maybe everybody can't, right? Like uh, where I work, there's a production floor. You know, they do, they have these printers that are massive, you know, and they're, you know, envelopes, you know, inserter machines and all that kind of stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Joe Schmo is taking that back home and plugging that thing in in his garage, right? It's got to stay at the, the factory floor. So how do you keep those employees from being jealous of the ones who can work remotely? And, you know, conversely, how do you keep the ones that work remotely from looking down on those people? And, you know, that's something that managers will bring up. But the thing is, is you have that problem in the office. Oh, yeah. The office workers are in an air-conditioned office with, you know, that's not really loud and they're not getting interrupted all the time. Whereas it's crazy on a, you know, print shop floor, the amount of stuff that's going on. And it's noisy and, you know, it's hot half the time and it smells funny. You know, so so a lot of the stuff is uh, really kind of, it's cop-outs to say, hey, we don't want to let people work remotely. And so I kind of talked through some of those in the, in the book and how you might consider overcoming those when you're discussing it with management. Because you do have to kind of phrase things in a way that, that makes it clear that the, the problems they think that remote work is going to cause, mostly they already have and have already fixed. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that always kind of drove back to me was like, listen, if I'm working remote and, and all of a sudden the world starts falling apart, like just ask me to come back or there's something else going on with me. Right. Like, right. Like just let me go at that point, you know? Yeah. I I do think it comes down to a lot of companies evaluate performance by butts and seats or some measure that's roughly equivalent, right? Like, okay, he participates in all the meetings. Well, it's like he could participate in all the meetings by throwing out non sequiturs and starting arguments, but he participated. 
you know, definitely give that guy a raise, promote him into management. You know? uh, that's how they do it. I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know, it seems strangely conserved a lot of uh, across a lot of large corporations. So, I, sounds fair to me. But you have a you have a situation where employers are not evaluating what business value somebody brings into the organization. You know, if I have a developer who can do eight hours of work in two hours and do it well, either I can get another six hours out of the dude and compensate him appropriately for that added time, or I need to start thinking about why the rest of my team can't get it done in eight hours. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Like one of the things I heard from one employer was, well, if we let people work remote, they'll work for somebody else and bill both of us. Yeah. And I'm and I'm like, okay, do you not have systems in place to catch that? Well, what if we can't catch it? I'm like, so you're saying that they can only work half a day and you can't tell how you need to send every employee home right now because you're losing 50% of your productivity. <laughs> yeah. That, that I've I've heard that before as well from no one when I was trying to work remote, but I, I have heard that fear before. And it's like, well, then the, they wouldn't be working as much. Like, what, how, how does that either they're not working a, a full day now, or you would see a huge drop off on, on their workload. So, yeah, which one is it? And, you know, the thing about it is I've worked in offices. Like, I worked with a guy that March Madness would roll around. I'm, I, I'm sure he was a wreck this year <laughs> now that I think about it. Cause, like he lived for basketball season, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And so March Madness would happen and he would stream the games to his oh, yeah. work desktop and just be sitting there watching them. And he would just, you know, and he was constantly doing all the stuff and, you know, watching, you know, watching that, reading articles about it, not getting any work done during the month of March. And it's, so it's like, well, he could do that at home and he, at least he wouldn't be chewing up your bandwidth. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, slowing the network down, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so it's always really, it's really strange. And, and most of what you have to do is you have to figure out, okay, what is the hole in their logic and then put them in it? Because then they're going to realize that, okay, this person has actually thought about this and it gives you more credibility and you can go, okay, we need to think about how we're evaluating developers because then you win. Because then all you got to do is actually do your work when you're at home. Yeah, right. Which I guess some people find challenging, right? I mean... But after this, you 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 should know if you're uh, cut out for work from home or or enjoy it, right? Right. Um, so that that's kind of been answered for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will say that right now is not normal. No, it's not. Um, it's easier when when all the kids aren't home, and you know, and you can buy uh, toilet paper, right? <laughs> you know, and you're not like oh, I think I can go to co-op and get corn cobs. Like that's not a good place to be trying to do an office job <laughs> from. <laughs> You know, we do yeah. have some interesting things going on, but even so, there's a lot of people that are like, man, I really like this. It's like everything is falling apart right now, and this is still an improvement. Like yeah. how dystopian and messed up is the office? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Because this is even just the stress of it all is, is making things hard, right? And, and if you're still working and, and getting work done well, that's, that, that's impressive. And you know, hopefully companies realize that and let people continue to work from home. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they may get forced, right? Like if enough people are like, no, I want to work remote, like it's going to be the, to the advantage of the companies to figure it out just so that they can get employees. I mean, especially in tech jobs, you know, it's hard to get people, you know, for like a .NET senior developer. I mean, I, I can remember going through and interviewing dozens of people and there weren't any that were actually senior. Yeah. 
in my experience. It's like, okay, you got three years experience and you're a senior. It's like, dude, I, I've been using it since the beta in 2002. And I feel like I'm barely a senior about half yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a different discussion. What is a senior developer, anyways? Right, like some guy with more gray hair than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the working definition I'm going to go with, because anything else reminds me of how old I am. <laughs> so, so you know, just but yeah, it's it's hard to get good developers, especially yeah. you know if you're using a tech stack that's really you know complex and. You know, specialized. If you're dealing with, you know, my previous job, there was a lot of low-level Windows GDI stuff that we had to do as part of the app because we did printing-related stuff. And the number of developers you can find when they're predominantly web devs that knew that stuff, you know, it's it's basically non-existent. When I interviewed at that place, they, um, you know, I went through a recruiter, and I left from there, and I was like, I think I'll take this job, and I tried to call my recruiter and couldn't get a hold of her because she was already talking to management because they had said they wanted to hire me. Yeah, right, right, right. And so companies jump on that real quick. And I think that that kind of scarcity is going to force them to allow remote work. I also think it's in their their economic interest. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, you know, there's plenty of boards of directors right now that are like, okay, we have to let this happen in the future because if we don't, you know, something that happens a world away can suddenly bring our business to a screeching halt. Yeah. And, and who's to say, you know, until we get a vaccine, we're still going to have lockdowns. And, and until, you know, e- even if they're not worldwide, they'll be area wide, right? So you're still going to have this up and down for at least a year. So there's, there's definitely uh, the big thing to me that's that always, if I was a business, is the applicant pool. Like yeah. all of a sudden, you don't have to be in commuting distance to New York City or wherever, right? Yeah, and it it really opens up a lot of other opportunities I think some of these companies haven't thought of. Like, for instance, a lot of companies have difficulty hiring diverse candidates, right? They want to, yep. and they can't for whatever reason. You know, for instance, probably 10 years ago, the hiring pool of software developers in Nashville was predominantly white men. If you have a company that can't, you know, and they need to for whatever reason or they want to, it's like, well, what do you do? You know, well, if if you're hiring from across the country, you've got more options and you can probably find somebody or, you know, look at people that, you know, they've got medical issues. You know, I worked with a guy who was blind. who was a software developer. His wife would drive him to work and drop him off. And dude was a really, really good developer. But if he didn't have a wife at home that could drive him to work, he had no options. And so this has the potential to lift a lot of people out of poverty. You know, I grew up at the end of a power line outside of a small town in Tennessee. You know, I, I've literally seen people cook possum <laughs> because they were broke and, you know, money's not coming in till the end of summer. Right, right. And, you know, there's people out there that have high-speed internet connections, believe it or not, but they're broke otherwise. And it's like, if they can learn how to code, you know, that could, that could really help those people or in the inner cities for that matter. You yeah. know, we have lots of little spots in the country that are not close to real estate where software de- development companies like to be, but you could hire people from there. You know, and then you've got people that have other medical issues. You know, I've worked with people that had cancer and, you know, their immune systems were compromised and they were told, hey, you cannot go into an office. You know, they were on lockdown before it was cool. Not that it's ever been cool, <laughs> but, you know, they're in that situation. You know, you got people with, you know, gastrointestinal issues is, is a fun one, right? Somebody's got irritable bowel syndrome and they can't figure out what's going on. Well, when they're in an office, everybody who's also not working is looking, going, hey, this guy goes to the bathroom five times a day. 
Right. Yeah. It's like you got people knowing your business in a way that's really uncomfortable. And this, you know, the remote work can potentially remove that and really, you know, create a normal life for a lot of people that maybe couldn't have one otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Have you heard of Atwood's Law? He says that anything that can be built in JavaScript eventually will be built in JavaScript. And that includes mobile apps. You can build awesome mobile apps and Apple TV and other apps with React Native. Come check us out every week as we talk about some of the ins and outs of building mobile apps with JavaScript and with React on React Native Radio. You can find it at reactnativeradio.com. I think um, it'll be really interesting when these lockdowns get lifted and to see how how many companies just stay remote and sell real estate. You know what I mean? Like there's companies spending millions of dollars for, you know, in these uh, New York City and, you know, San Francisco, right? Like, yeah. Or just, I mean, crap here in Nashville, even some of the junky real estate here is ridiculous. You know, I worked for a company, they they were, they kind of got in on the Microsoft exam stuff early on. Like you'd know the name. And they had this crazy explosive growth. And then the 2000 bubble hit. And so they had, they leased all this office space, just a tremendous, you know, really posh offices. Like my first job out of college, I was, I worked there and I called my dad on the phone the first day. My dad owns his own company. And I said, Hey dad, my office is bigger than yours, right? They spent all this money on this. And I was replacing a a more qualified developer who had been in that office and had been let go. And one of the things that really sunk that company was that lease. Yeah. And and so there's also, you know, that risk. You know, it's not like you pay month to month on a business lease. It's like, you know, you're doing 24 months. And if companies have to try to to go with demand for their services, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing as a cloud environment, right? Instead of getting two rack space servers and trying to go, okay, let me balance load, let me fiddle with this. It's like, no, let me let me just get more instances when I need them and then spin them down when I don't. And Companies can do that with office space if they allow remote work. And so that's an optimization that might be really useful. Now, there, you know, there are downsides to it as right. well, right? Yeah. Um, companies do have to think about security. And there's lots of little gotchas in there, right? A lot of companies have got this attitude that I have a firewall. That's all the security I need. And they don't have any, anything internally. I've worked at a couple of places where some salesperson came back from a conference with a laptop and the whole network got hit with a virus. You had those kind of circumstances in the office. You're going to have to fix it to allow remote work, but you got to fix it anyway. Right. Yeah. You can't have that. Definitely. Right. That, that problem still exists, whether it's remote and right. Cause people bring their laptops home and, you know, and you want them to work the weekend anyways. Right. So. <laughs> right. For free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Cause they're salary, you know, so they're, they're still, uh, you still have that risk. Yeah. Uh, regardless. And- you know, and they talk about, you know, well, we want a content filter and we want to do all this stuff. It's like, okay, well, I get it. You don't want viruses to get loose on the network. But half the time they say, well, we don't want somebody goofing off, right? Yeah. And, you know, reading sports or worse on the clock. It's like, well, they brought a, they've got a cell phone here that's more powerful than the first computer I worked on. Yeah. Probably more powerful than the business when you gave them anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, you know, I've worked at places that they would give you an absolute potato of a computer and then yeah. think that something else is hurting your productivity. Yeah. Yep. It's like, I've, no, I've I can there. type four keystrokes in Visual Studio, <laughs> wait a minute and a half for it to show up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So saving money on IT equipment for developers is not a good strategy. Well, it's not saving money. And Well, that's, that's true. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is a lot of times 
there are, you know, there are traps, right? There's pitfalls with security that a lot of companies maybe have their stuff together, but they don't think about. Like if you have a remote employee and they've got a laptop, company issued laptop in their home and you terminate them. Yes. Well, you got to get that laptop back. You yep. cannot trust it. Yeah. Until you, you know, you've vetted, probably wiped the OS and, you know, done all that kind of stuff. And so there, there are costs. I would argue that you still have those costs in an office environment, unless you're not, you know, unless you have completely locked everything down. All somebody has to do is bring in a thumb drive. Yeah. Um, but there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, the IT security people will say, and it's like, well, you kind of already have that problem anyway. This just exposes it. And by the way, exposes it in an, a fashion that is cheaper to fix than you might have otherwise. Because, you know, like for instance, if you're doing the whole, you know, eggshell thing of, well, my firewall protects everything and everything's fine inside the firewall. If you have a remote employee and you suddenly learn that, hey, this is not a good idea, which you should have learned from any of the past 20 years, right? Remote if you have a remote yeah. employee that's, that's coming in and you go, oh, I got to deal with a security situation. Well, that's fairly cheap. I deal with a security situation. Yeah. However, if you get breached, that's, that's, that's not a lot cheap. more expensive. Yeah. And, and so you can almost think of remote employees as a pressure test for your security systems, a continuous yeah. one. One of the um, big pushbacks I've gotten in the past has been, well, if we let developers work remotely, other people will get, you know, upset, right? Like, right. Well, and there's, you know, there's some truth to that, right? People, yeah. you know, people get jealous of each other in, in office environments all the time. You know, do you say, okay, well, developers get their own office. Well, why don't I get my own office? For instance, it's like, well, you know, we're, we're demanding that these people provide value that increases the value of the business. And automation is a huge value. There's a reason developer salaries are as high as they are. It's not because, you know, we're all great people and, you know, neckbeards are in fashion. It's because we provide value in excess of what we're getting paid. And, and so, you know, dealing with interpersonal type stuff like that, it's going to happen anyway. It's, it's like the network stuff. You know, most of the, the problems that you run into with distributed teams are exactly the same problems that you run into with local teams. It's just that there's the communication channels are slower and you have more problems that show up as a result of that. One other thing that comes up a lot is employers will be like, well, we can't get everybody together for a quick meeting when we need something. And most of the time that really comes down to, you know, it's, it's poor management practice. You know, I've, I've worked at companies where you never knew what your day was going to be like at all. It's like, well, my best coding time is between this time and this time, you know, and you know, by the way, I've proved that. Like I had like a log of, you know, everything in one hour blocks. And I would go in there once an hour and write how I felt and what I was working on. And I did that for a few weeks and tracked it. And I know exactly when my best working time is. And invariably, they would stick a meeting right in the middle of it. And the meeting, I had five minutes warning that it was coming. Well, if you got that kind of environment, every developer is now trying to protect their focus and they're trying to make sure they don't lose their place to go to some crazy meeting. And so you got managers doing this. Well, this, this makes it impossible for them to do that because they may not be able to get a hold of everybody that quick. You know, I see that as a win. It gets rid of a lot of broken managerial practices. It, right. it also does yeah. a few other things. The way that it changes communication channels. People have to over-communicate. They have to over-document or document it all, which a lot of developers don't. Or they, you know, their documentation is, is really, really limited or useless. And when you have a distributed team, you, you're going to have to do that because your team, you know, they may just be in the local area and you may be fine, but after a while, they're going to spread across the country. People are going to move, you know, and be several time zones away. You know, like my team has got people in what, Eastern, Central, 
mountain and Pacific time. Yeah, we've got we got all the way across. And you know, some of these people like they they get to work at six thirty in the morning Eastern time. Well, if they need something from the guy that's on the West Coast, you they're know, gonna, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna wait a minute. And the same thing for the guy on the West Coast later in the day. Yeah, you know, those people have gone home. Well, except for the one or two workaholics that you can always ask, but like that—that's a real thing, and it gets rid of this this notion that I'm going to poll for the information I need, and it's like I'm going to make sure the information I need is there, so I can just get it when I need it and not involve a, another person. It also forces asynchrony in communications, and you kind of run into a lot of the same problems you run into with code, right? Like if you have and I know you do Node, so like this is kind of built into Node, right? Like is yeah, it's all async, like file IO and stuff like that. But you know, I'm a bit more old school developer. Like you know, I started a while back. Let's just leave that out as far as <laughs> how far back. But let's just say that let's see, Clinton had just been elected, and so like when we did file IO, it was all synchronous, right? And we could make assumptions. Okay, this happens before this, right? You yeah. can make assumptions of the code because it was enforced. When you switch to async, you don't have that anymore. And so you either have to know when something's done and get a, a result, you know, kind of like a promise type thing. Right, um, right. Or you have to be really careful. Or you have to have some kind of interlock type thing. Well, the same thing happens to your communication flows in a company that has gone remote. You know, now it's like, okay, well, I can ask for something, but I can't ask for something with the assumption that the timing of when I get the answer is going to be immediate. And, you know, I, and I can't sit there dead in the water while that happens. I have to ask before I need it so that it's here when I need it. Yeah. And yeah, that that's always a challenge. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've been in places where I've worked remote and I mean worked in an office and we have a remote team in India, right? Yeah. That's always a challenge in and of itself with the time zone and, and getting information back passed back and forth. And the language barrier. Yep. I mean, even you know, even though you know, most of them that you would be dealing with do speak English. There's people that just can't understand foreign accents well, you know, for whatever reason. And by the way, they on the other end, they can't, you know, they're not going to understand my hillbilly accent half the time either, right? Like that, that's completely fair because other people in Nashville sometimes don't. So, you know, I can't expect somebody in, you know, Kerala to, to do that either. And you have to think about those communication barriers and how you're going to overcome them before you have them. You know, yeah. basically what all this does is it forces people to be proactive all the way up and down the organization. And that that's a little bit of a culture shift, right? It's it's sort of, again, like the async thing. It's like if your code is async at a low level, it probably can't be synchronous at a high level. It has to go all the way up. Yep, right. The same, right. You know, it's the same kind of structural setup. And so that that's something that you're going to have to deal with. Now, there are uh, a few things that you do need to know as far as convincing employers on this, because again, you're putting this cost on them. Right. Hey, you got to rework your processes to act like you're not a parts manufacturer in the 18th century. Right. You know, it's not yeah, how many widgets yeah. I produce, how many lines of code. It's, you know, we, we have to provide value in, in excess of what we're doing and have systems that can actually determine that value. So you got to sell the idea of remote work to, you know, whoever you're talking to. And it's interesting how developers will do this because a lot of developers, including developers that should know better because they do business apps, they'll they'll try to sell it based off of what it does for them. You know, well, I can take care of my kid. I don't have to put the kid in daycare. It's like, yeah, if you got a 10-year-old and you know, the 10-year-old's gonna be sitting upstairs playing Minecraft while you're working, okay. You know, and management knows that. But when you've got a, 
a screaming toddler at home, they're not going to go for that, right? Because it doesn't help them, it hurts them. And you just have to think about how you're going to sell it. So I'll relate a story that (laughs) this was... This was one of the most messed up things, especially being in a conference room. Okay, so we had this developer who tried to sell remote work to management. And he did it because his wife was you know, trying to get the business thing going. And he thought that he could avoid having to pay for childcare while she was doing that if he was just home. And you know, he's, he had little kids. So they let him work remote one day because he, I think he said he had a doctor's appointment or something and it had to be at the house or I forget what the deal was. So we're on our scrum meeting, nine o'clock in the morning. You hear Sesame Street and children fighting in the background. He's periodically having to mute his microphone and you can still see him on camera, which by the way, if you're going to have to yell at somebody on camera, kill the camera and the mic and then do it and then turn it back on. Because then people will think it's a blip with Zoom instead of your fault. (laughs) They won't know that you're screaming at your youngins, right? Like you just got to think about that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... So that happens, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, it's first thing in the morning. He's probably getting settled. That's fine. We have a board of directors meeting later. And I wasn't on the board, but because of my position as a software architect, I was in those meetings. It was a small company. And we're all lined up around this table. And, you know, it's a conference room table. We've got like the 60-inch TV. Yep. At HD, decent quality TV at the end of the room. We also had a horrible audio setup with like crazy echoes and stuff, but you know, whatever. So dude has to present something to the board of directors and he's talking on camera about to do that. And they're like, Oh, he's working from home. It's like, uh, he had to work remote today. The board kind of had a back and forth about that. And then he gets on. And as he's talking, his cat jumps up on the keyboard and presents its backside to the camera. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. In HD at 60 inches. (laughs) And it was close. And so every time we talked about working remote from then on, that story came up. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's a concept of anchoring in sales. It's like that that is now anchored to the back quarter of a cat. Yeah. It's really hard. Now, I did manage to get the ability to work remote like two years after that. But yeah, set, set you back there, huh? Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, dude, you know, and the thing is, he was sitting on his couch coding all day. And really didn't get a whole lot done. And, and so you can't sell it that way either. Like one thing you uh, want to make sure you do is that you're set up so that when you work remote, you're successful the first time and you're more productive than normal, right? You want, you want that to hit the numbers that management actually uses to evaluate things. So the first thing is to figure out how are they evaluating me? And if they aren't evaluating me in a way that makes sense, try to push them towards a more reasonable way of evaluating me and then go work remote and prove it. Versus the other thing of, you know, deciding, well, I'm going to work remote and then, oh, well, they don't think you were as productive. You think you were more productive, but now you have to argue about the system they're using to measure you. Like that's back. Right, right. You know, there's a power differential there and you want to set it up so that you're on the good side of that, not the bad. You know, and the way to do this, you know, besides that part is you kind of set up a trial run, right? Like you don't go the first time and go, oh, hey, can I work, you know, four days a week from home, you know, and come in for, you know, Friday for the free lunch because... I would totally do that. You don't want to start there, right? Because that's like that's like going on a first date and you know proposing, yeah. right? That's right. If it if if it works well, it works poorly, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like that is not going to win the situation. So you want to set up a a reasonable test, like a half day or a day, 
and and have a good reason for it. So you have a doctor's appointment close to your house, right? That's one thing the guy did do right is he was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm 40 minutes from the office. My doctor's five minutes from the house. I've got an appointment. And, you know, he, he set it up, I think that way, where his wife had an appointment. There was some reason he had to be home, right? That was like the only smart thing he did. And, and that's what you're going to want. And you're also going to, on that day, you know, make sure you over-communicate, make sure you really participate in meetings, you know, be super productive. And also you're using this as a test, not just for management, but you use it as a test for you. You find all the stuff that's wrong. You sit there and you go, mm, you know, like one of my big problems right now, especially with podcasting and being on video conference calls is the chair I'm sitting in is really noisy. So if you notice, I'm trying really hard not to move. Well, like you notice stuff like that when you're you know, basically in that environment. You don't want to notice that and go, oh, well, you know, I've got three more days of working remote this week, and then we're evaluating it when I go in Friday. Yeah. You want to have yeah. a limited trial because uh, you can't anticipate all the stuff that will go wrong. I, I've learned so much about my neighbors since I started working remote 100%. I know that the neighbors, you know, straight behind where I'm sitting right now, for instance, their landscaping crew comes out and, and works. And so there's loud arguments in Spanish right outside my window. And then the homeowner will come out and talk to the head person on that crew, but they don't get anywhere close to them, which is, you know, it's Corona season right now, which is actually reasonable, but they don't do it anyway. So they're yelling and there's leaf blowers. And all, there's, there's a certain times a day that you're like, man, you know, I can't get anything done during that time. You need to know that before you decide to work remote, right? Because you've got to be able to get enough work done to be productive. But you might find out, you know, stuff like, well, you know, the, the internet speed drops off in the middle of the day out here for some yeah. reason because there's maybe well, the, somebody else in your house running a torrent and you don't know it yeah or i, I found when, when the kids you know the school buses come by right the high school bus right you'll get you'll get a drop down yep. then that is uh at 10 after three yeah exactly <laughs> i know because they they are yelling back and forth at each other when they walk by my window <laughs> like right right there You'll learn about all that kind of stuff. You may also learn that, you know, when you're normally in an office, you're kept awake. And there's certain times a day that it's really hard to stay awake. You may not be getting enough sleep and you've been getting away with it in an office because you have free coffee and it's not home and there's other people talking and moving around and all of a sudden you're home and you find out, man, you know, six hours of sleep isn't enough sleep for a night. You may find that your workspace hurts you. You know, if you're sitting at a kitchen table, it's not going to go well. You're going to you're going to eventually have problems from that. You know, I have a I have a desk here. I've got, you know, the full like executive L-shaped desk and it is completely full of equipment because the podcast and I've got my personal computer and I've got a work computer and surround sound system, microphone, KVM switch, you know, all this stuff is wired in. I had to even do a wiring diagram to figure out how many, you know, which cables I had to get when when I started uh, working for this company. And you're going to have to take those steps. Because you want to be successful and you want to make it so that environmental disruptions don't make it where you lose your ability to work remote. There's nothing worse than, you know, pushing for it and then getting to do it. And, you know, a week or two in, all of a sudden you can't just because, you know, fate intervened. That's a pretty horrible feeling. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to think about stuff like, you know, again, your workspace, your, your computer, if you're having to use a personal computer for work, don't buy an underpowered $400 computer, buy a real computer. It's yours. Worst case, you know, buy a really overpowered one and put the work stuff on a VM so that they can't mess with your your main, you know, gaming rig 
during off hours, right? Because that's yeah. not cool. You know, I worked for a company that did that. And they were like, why did you install Eve online? It's like, because it's my computer. Well, <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, you know, that, like you're, you're spending all this time to pay this guy to come yell at me when you could have just gotten me a computer that <laughs> would let me do my job. You have to think about your, your desk and your seating because you know, your, your hind end is in this chair for eight hours a day. So you don't go get a cheap you know, $99 chair. You probably get a, a decent one, which I need to do again because this one's starting to kind of wear on me. You have to think about things like your time tracking. Like how are you going to you know, make sure that you're doing the work that you're supposed to do and that you've put in a full day's worth of work and not over it? Because it's really yeah. easy to get up in the morning and go, well, I don't really know what time I came down here. I'm going to start working and I'm going to be done when I'm done. Well, you may be done at noon. You may be done at 1030 at night and you start at six in the morning. Like, Neither of those is healthy, you know, for your continued you know, success. So you got to think about you know your time tracking, even if the company you work for doesn't think about it. Like you have to, you have to build a set of habits. So I'm I'm up at five thirty in the morning. The coffee is ready at ten after six. The coffee pot's you know set. Like I said, it's the slowest freaking. Coffee I was going to say that's pretty ever. slow, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's on a timer, and so right, it'll, it'll right. kick on at a certain point, and it's basically timed so that when I go in the kitchen. After walking the dogs, I have a pot of coffee ready. And I tweaked it and figured out exactly when that is. So it's like beeping as I walk in the room because I'm, you know, that's, I'm probably a little bit more anal retentive about that than I should be. You got to think about stuff like how are you going to synchronize files and notes? Like, especially if you have a work computer that you're remoting into. And, you know, like I had, I used to have four screens on my desktop. Well, I couldn't really uh, do that over the VPN connection. I could only do like two. Yeah. And it, and it worked well. So it's like, well, I've got these other two screens up top. I've got remote desktop across the bottom. I can get notes over, but how am I going to swap them back and forth successfully? You know, you may have to think about things like that. You also need to think about your phone. Either you, you know, you give work your cell phone number and risk them calling you at inopportune times, or you have to get a work phone, you know, like the IP phones. You got to make sure that you have some way to communicate that can get on the network and uh, can work with the rest of the systems. Although developers, it's not as important, right? Because we we typically have gotten away from phone-based stuff, but a lot of people haven't. You need to think about your webcam and headset. A lot of people will go and they'll buy like a $20 headset and the cheapest webcam they can. It looks like crap. It sounds like crap on the meetings. And when upper management is listening to you talk and they can't understand what you're saying because you sound, you know... You're underwater, like, right. Well, you sound like you know one of the chipmunks, and your you know your video camera is a piece of crap, and your internet connection is a piece of crap too. So, like you're moving around like Max Headroom, like that that is not a comforting thing for management. So it's worth it to go. You know, I got a nice Logitech. I mean, I I have multiple headsets here because you know being a podcaster kind of changes your whole view on equipment. But you need to have that in place and to be thinking about that. You know, the trick with with equipping your office well is you're probably not going to be able to write it off in taxes. You're spending that money and it's out of your own pocket. And yeah, that sucks. But when you think about the cost of driving into an office, you're still coming out ahead. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, once you've kind of got all that worked out, you know, you do the whole thing of multiple trial run days, right? So you've gotten one, you found the problems, you fixed them, you do the next one, find the problems and fix it. And eventually you get it where it's smooth. Then you can ask to do it on a regular yeah. basis. Because at that point, you have proof, you've got numbers, you know what does and does not work, and you know whether you actually want to do it or not. One thing that a lot of people have figured out here recently is that they don't like remote work. It's isolating. When I first started, 
I, I thought everything was fine. You know, the, the only conversations I had were was talking to my wife and talking to the dog. And that was it. And then there was one day I went to a gas station for some fried chicken because I'm healthy like that. And the gal behind the counter asked me how I was doing. And I told her at length. And then I was like, okay, that's probably a sign that I need to fix some stuff because that's not normal. And, and that isolation, it really, it'll creep up on you after a while, even though you may think you don't like other people, like everybody's learning that right now that everybody's got a minimum level of social contact that they need and nobody's getting it. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to be prepared for that one. Another thing that I've noticed is getting stuck in a bad job. The worst job I've ever had, I was remote four days a week. And that's for a variety of reasons. A lot of that was just because the company was bad. You know, they were not run well. They didn't respect employees' time. They they had a lot of really dysfunctional processes. And I stayed at that job. You know, I think there was there was one day in September that I was like, you know what, I'm getting out of there. And like when I went into the office, I cleaned all my stuff out of my desk that day. I didn't quit until March. Wow. Because it was it was hard to find something else. And that's a risk if you, you know, if you work remote, it takes a while longer. So once you start going, yeah. hey, I need to get out of this job you better start getting that resume out because you'll be sitting there if you don't. You have to think about what happens if they force you to go back into the office because you know management gets in a snit or you know one of your coworkers doesn't do what they're supposed to do. They get fired and then they say, hey, everybody else has to be back in the office because you know it happened one time and we're never going to let it happen again. You got to think about what you're going to say on that. That also means you know if you're going to say, no, I'm not going back in. Well, do you have enough runway in your checking account to go, yeah, I'm not doing that until I get something else. Um, otherwise, you're forced back in. And you know the, the thing about being forced back into the office that's really insidious is a lot of people, you know, myself included in previous jobs, will negotiate for remote work you know, kind of in lieu of a salary increase. Because, yeah. hey, I'm saving a bunch of money. And you know, a salary increase, well, Uncle Sam gets half of that. But any yeah. savings I get, I get that. Right? So it's easier to, to work that way than the other way. And it works out better for the company too. But you negotiate that, you get to work from home, and then they say, oh, you got to come into the office. Like, what do you do then? Well, they just, you know, they basically went back on a decision and an agreement that they made with you. What's your reaction? And you need to know what that is before that happens. Because it's, it's really, it can be pretty awful. I'll say another thing that, that happens is sometimes you can be a second-class citizen. Hey, you're working remote. You know, we don't care about, you know, the fact that your kid, you know, needs to get on the bus at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's like, okay, I want to have a seven-year-old standing by a busy highway waiting on a bus, <laughs> right? Right. You have to be comfortable asserting, hey, I cannot do this. This is a bad idea. This is destructive. You know, I'm not going to take a call at 10 o'clock at night and be expected to be up at six the next morning. You know, you're, you're going to have to be at that point where you, you can deal with those things. And a lot of people aren't. Um, a lot of employers aren't either, or they don't think about it. Um, one of the big things is the time zone difference. You know, for every hour of time zone difference you have, there's an hour at the end of the day and an hour at the beginning of the day where not all your staff is on. If you get to what two or three hours difference, now the optimal meeting time for one group is the lunch time for the other group, or they aren't there at all. Yeah, and, and so it gets more and more pathological the more it spreads out, and companies aren't prepared for this either. And so you're going to have to help them get there because you're the one that wants to work remote. So you got to help them figure it out. And I don't know if, how we're doing on time, if we're running over or under. Probably, we probably should wrap it up pretty soon. I think we're going a little over, but it's been a good conversation for sure. And something that we definitely need to 
as a as a whole world need to think about now, right? Yeah, um, you know, and I will say the thought process is going to be ongoing, right? Um, yeah, the way you plan projects is going to change because you can't get everybody in a room and hash it out necessarily. You know, all that stuff becomes async. Your project manager suddenly can't just ping you whenever they need something. They've got to have systems in place so that they can tell what you need. And you have to make sure that those systems are up to date. I've worked at companies that they had some internal system that was written in a desktop app that was just ancient. And just the the stuff that happens when people start working remote, they start filling in that system with more detail, right? And that seems good, except for the fact that that's the system that the developers use and that's the system that the CEO uses. So I had one where a developer filled in, you know, here's the endpoint I set up. Here's the HTTP verbs, you know, for these different methods. And they put it in the ticket. The other devs are going to use that information, but the CEO is poking around in there and he sees HTTP verbs. We should be using HTTPS. And we had a PCI compliance meeting out of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like like the, the, you know, the thing is, is you're, you're adding energy to a system that you don't understand. And so you, you're going to have to do that uh, with a little bit of care and caution going in. And so that's, that's the stuff I tried to deal with in the book. So if anybody's, interested in the book, probably the best way to find chapters of it or find information about it is to go to simpleprogrammer.com and search for Will Gant. And you can see the the articles I've posted there and that'll kind of get you into the pipeline to be able to get the book. Uh, It's coming out at the end of April. Cool. Yeah. Are you freelancing or moonlighting? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. We should, uh, we should push to picks. Um, I know we briefly mentioned that to you. I, I can start if you want to. Uh... Just uh, like, Is it just technology or can we No, no. So... We can definitely branch out. It's it's anything a book, a uh, game. You know, r- really, I, I've picked everything from like uh, lemon that you put in water. You know, that comes in packets, right? Or you know, to <laughs> a- anything, anything and everything. Yeah, there's there's no real limit on it, for sure. Well, I would, uh, you know, I guess it would be more of a shout out to yeah, Korea, absolutely to Korean grandmothers. Um, which I obviously don't have one with my accent, but I went to the international market right as this coronavirus outbreak was happening. And, you know, I, I make my own kimchi. And so like, I have like the basket full of, you know, all the cabbage and all this stuff and I'm, you know, getting ready. And one of them saw me and was like, are, are you making kimchi? And I'm like, yeah. And I ended up cornered in the international market for a good 30 minutes with three Korean grandmothers going back and forth on how I needed to make it and what I needed to put in it. And like, I'm like taking notes. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like, this is, you know, this is one of those stories that like, you wouldn't believe a hillbilly like me would, would a making kimchi, but then be like in a serious conversation about the relative merits of different regional methods of doing that. And I just thought that was so awesome. You know, like that's, that's what we're going to come out with after this whole coronavirus thing is over is, we're going to realize that we're connected to other people. Oh yeah. This, this, this world got a whole lot smaller, you know, it did. And, you know, some of the best things I've seen out of people, you know, have happened here recently between that and the tornado we had here in, in Nashville, you know, some of the best actions of people I've seen, you know, have been in response to that. 
and some of the worst have too, but you know, you always see the worst. Um, and so, yeah, just a, just a huge shout out for, you know, people that are willing to take time out of their day to help a random stranger that they'll probably never meet again. Like that, that was absolutely awesome. And the kimchi was a little too hot. I made it, but I can tweak that later. <laughs> it was good, uh, but, good advice otherwise. Yeah. You know where to go, right? You know, uh-huh. I know exactly what I need. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So, uh, I'll do my picks. Um, I guess, uh, I'll, I picked this before on, um, the freelancer show, uh, the tiger King. I'll, I'll definitely give a shout out to that. Cause that is a life changing documentary and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll also pick out, I've been working a lot with a state management library, uh, NGXS. I've been working on that for a while and it's, it's a newer version came out pretty recently and it, it's, I really enjoy it, which is good for state management because, you know, a lot of it feels just like a waste, but no, it's, it's going well and, and I enjoy using that. Mm, I so those are my two picks. Yeah, it's, um, it was written for Angular from the ground up as opposed to just a direct copy of redux so they bring some more of the and and there's less boilerplate as opposed to other state management libraries which is nice yeah it's it's uh it's been working out really well for me so all right i think that uh wraps up our show thanks for everyone listening we'll see you guys on the next episode all righty bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.